Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. And I'm very excited to introduce this next guest. He is a former NFL player himself. He played for the Jacksonville Jaguars from 1995 to 2001. And in 1997 with the Jaguars, he led all NFL players with 134 points scored and went on to represent the AFC and the 1998 Pro Bowl. Please welcome Mike Hollis, everybody. Hi, how's it going? Hey, man. Uh, excited to have you on the pod. I have not had uh, a former player on, so it's really uh, excited to have you on the pod this evening. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> right on, yeah. Good stuff. Sweet. And... Um, I'd like to start out, you know, where did sports play, you know, for you early on as a kid going back, whether was it playing, you know, obviously, you know, going up with your brothers and sisters or going to games, you know, as a fan, you know, where did that start for you? Um, I really didn't go to a lot of sporting events uh, as, a, as a young you know, kid. Um, I, I was more um, uh, very active with my neighborhood kids, uh, my brothers. You know, I had a couple stepbrothers who lived with us for a while. And um, a lot of uh, very active neighborhood kids that were, um, I don't want to say bad influences, but um, they, <laughs> they, they challenged me in a, in a sense where they, you know, they, it was always competitive and fun, you know, and uh I learned a lot, actually. Uh, you know, I, I, there's been there's been times in, um, you know, playing in the NFL that I literally uh, have a flashback of a certain play or some or a certain tackle or something when I've actually tackled somebody in a game. I think immediately about my childhood experiences tackling my neighborhood buddies. You know, <laughs> it's crazy. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so you had you know a tremendous college career and obviously a great pro career as well with the Jacksonville Jaguars and uh, spent your last season with the Bills. But talk about, you know, when did you realize that you could be a professional athlete and be, you know, kick on a pro level? Well, you know, it, it was it was kind of uh, it wasn't something that I had always dreamed about doing it. You know, I, I just enjoyed playing sports and, and doing the things that I love to do. And, and I really focused a lot on just having fun. And, you know, I, I wrestled as a kid and, and, you know, in middle school. But when it came to high school, I, I didn't want to wrestle because it, it, it was more serious at that point. And I just didn't think it was going to be fun. And, I, and so I didn't I didn't wrestle with it. You know, football was always fun for me, and especially as a kicker, it was always challenging to do, you know, to, to do the best that I could. And, you know, a, a goal to, to play in the NFL as a, as a child or even in middle school or even, even in high school wasn't even there. It was just like, hey, I want to have fun. I want to just be as good as I can be and, and, and see if I can maybe get a college scholarship or something or, you know, continue my education. And, and uh, you know, that's, that was my goal. And uh, I've never been a huge goal setter. I've always been kind of somebody who – you know, if I have a goal, it's, it's to be the best I can each and every day. Um, and whatever, you know, whatever outcome I get is, is, is okay. As long as I'm you know honest with myself and, and um, do the best that I can. And under the circumstance that I'm, uh, that I'm given, I just want to, you know, focus on the best that I can be and, and, and have fun doing so. So that, that's kind of my, 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 uh, my, my words of the day. I basically just live that uh, even today in my, in my, I guess, post, post, professional sports career, I guess, I, I still kind of maintain that same mentality. 
Yeah, and, and I hear the key word there, just just have fun, right? I mean, if you have fun, you don't work a day in your life, right? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Who wants a job, you know? I want a job, <laughs> hey, something fun, you know? I, I, I don't want to be miserable um, doing something to make a living. I want to find something that I enjoy doing. And, and so it's not, like you said, not like a job, you know? It's, it's a lot of, of people that live their lives and, and um, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, working for someone and just not, not real happy as far as just, you know, yeah, they might make some decent money and, and, and do well for their families and this and that, but they're spending more time, you know, at their job and their job is their life. And then they retire. And I've, I believe me, I've seen and heard of, of circumstances just like this, where shortly after they retire from, you know, their job and work and they want to enjoy their lives, they, they come down with a, a problem, you know, health issues or whatever. And, and you know, in some cases they, they pass away, which is, is just uh, very sad. You know, it's, it's, uh, you, you live your whole life, you know, working for someone else and, and, and not enjoying it in, in a way that I would want to enjoy it. And then when you retire thinking it's time to enjoy your life, you get struck with health issues or whatever by the time you're older and, you know, things might happen, circumstances change and, you know, it's not not uh, what you had planned it to be. And, you know, and, and unfortunately, like I said, some cases people, you know, pass away and don't have time to enjoy, you know, what life should be all about. Yeah, for sure. I love that. And obviously, I'm sure you've had a lot of mentors along the way, but talk about some of those early mentors, you know, at Idaho in college, uh, you know, before you got to Jacksonville and some of the things they taught you uh, to prepare you for the NFL level. Well, you know, one, one specific person comes to mind and that was a guy by the name of Jim Gatano. Um, he, he was, uh, he grew up in the Northwest and he was a kicker as well. Um, he's older than me. So he, you know, he played for, uh, a, a different high school, uh, than I did. And, but, but his coach back when he was playing in high school in, in Spokane, Washington was my, uh, head coach at the school that I went to different schools, of course, but, um, Jim had actually, um, had some records in, in the, uh, greater Spokane league and, and um, when he, you know, finished uh, working out and trying to get in the NFL, which he did, he got in um, real briefly with the Kansas City Chiefs in 1987. And he, you know, came back home after that camp when he got released. He, he was competing against Nick Lowry and, um, you know, a legend in himself there. Um, so Jim, you know, got released and, and came back and just decided he wanted to start coaching and, and uh, went around a lot of the schools locally in Spokane and, and um you know, started work with some of the kickers and, and I was one of the, the guys that he came and saw. And, um, you know, to be honest with you, I didn't really listen a whole lot to him because I only saw him every couple of weeks or something. It was just some guy that just showed up and like, who's <laughs> this guy? you know, but, uh, you know, trying to, you know, for recruiting and, 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 and creating a highlight tape, uh, you know, back then we had VHS and, um, <laughs> creating VHS tapes to send out to colleges. And, you know, I didn't get a lot of looks. I, you know, it was, it was more of, um, you know, they, they thought my, my size was uh, a factor and they, you know, I wasn't, uh, you know, I was, I was a good kicker, but I wasn't somebody that they were, you know, a lot of the division one schools were looking for. And so uh, anyway, so I'll, I'll share more about that, but more about Jim. He was the one that kind of took me under his wing and, um, you know, I listened real well to him. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, he, he really, um, grasped onto the fact that I listened to him and I did what he said. Um, 
And I'll, and I'll tell you why that's such a big deal nowadays, because it's hard to get some kids to listen to what we're saying. But um, my point with Jim is the fact that uh, he, he taught me everything I know about kicking. And, um, you know, he went back to he went to California for a while when I was uh, went off to junior college. And then when I went to the University of Idaho. So I did spend two years in junior college before I went to Idaho. And um, right in the middle of the season, he was at one of the games I was playing in um, in Spokane, right outside of Spokane, um, playing Eastern Washington University. And he was there uh, watching the game, and he came up to me at halftime and, and, you know, said, hey, Mike. And I'm like, wow, you know. Um, but, you know, started coaching me right then on the spot, of course. But um, he, you know, after that game, of course, we, we, uh, we got together, and, and he would come down to Idaho and, and literally stay with us for, you know, a couple weeks at a time uh, in an apartment. You know, I'm a college student, and, you know, here he is sleeping on my couch and just you know, <laughs> wanted to be down there and, and coach me. And my roommate was a kicker, too, so – we uh, we definitely um, welcomed his his uh, coaching, and um, from that point on, is where I really took it serious. Clearly, at that point, and um, and then from that point on, I just uh, you know we got better and better and better. And he worked with me, and and the thing with Jim is is um, he's very dedicated. He he always wanted to go kick, and and so did I. And and the stuff he was teaching was was so different, and and it was so challenging, but I loved it, and. You know, that's where I kind of, um, you know, feel it, it, it really prepared me for, you know, playing the NFL uh, because it's a different kind of mindset. So, you know, as far as a mentor, you know, going back to your question, Jim is, is the guy that, um, you know, my parents, of course, supported me through all my sports and, you know, soccer and football and stuff like that. They were always at games and, and always supported me and, and, and cheered. And um, but when it came down to the technical, you know, preparation. Um, Jim was, was the only guy, really, the only person in my life that really um, you know, taught me the ropes about, about kicking and, and just, uh, what it took to, to be a professional in that, in that manner. So, um, really appreciate everything. And, and, and now Jim is my, my coach with me and my kicking Academy here in Jacksonville. So we've, we've been together for a long, long time. I love that. That's great. It's always important to have, uh, relationships like that. And not only has he helped you, but you can give back as well. And that's great, uh, to have, those relationships. It's huge. Um, so talk about, was there, when you got to the NFL level, was there anything that was surprising or that you didn't expect uh, coming into Jacksonville, uh, you know, putting on the uniform? Was there anything that surprised you or uh, kind of took you back uh, when you got to the NFL level? Well, you know, my, my first experience with the NFL was with the Chargers in 94. I got on with the with them in, uh, in training camp. I was basically a preseason, you know, camp leg for John Carney. Um, so I, I learned a lot there. And, and, you know, I guess one of the things that I was kind of – I was surprised with, um, you know, University of Idaho was a one double A school. So it wasn't a big, huge powerhouse school. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I kind of took baby steps as I, as I matured through my – my whole football career, starting at you know middle school, played in high school. Then I go to junior college, so it's just a little bit of you know a step above high school. Then you go from a junior college to a Division One AA, um, and then you go from a Division One AA to the NFL. Um, the guys, you know, like the size of the other players. You know, there's some big guys I played against, you know, and and had as teammates at Idaho as well. Um, and, and, and going into the NFL, the, the guys were not a lot bigger. I thought they would be much bigger, but they weren't as, you know, a lot bigger than, than as, as far as what I expected. But the biggest surprise for me was how fast those big guys were. <laughs> I was floored. I'm like, I'm, I'm a small guy. I'm kind of athletic. 
there and I'm kind of running around. These guys are right there with me. We're doing conditioning and I'm looking down the line thinking I've got this lead because we're conditioning with the linebackers or maybe even the linemen. Um, and these guys are right there with me. I'm like, this is insane. These guys are so fast. Um, so yeah, it was just, it was just a real unique experience. And, and, and to be honest with you, like I said before, I had, I'd really not gone to a lot of sporting events as a kid and, I had never been to an NFL game until I actually played in one. It wow. Was, that was, that was <laughs> a bizarre experience as well. So I never, you know, I grew up in Washington State, so I guess, you know, the Seattle Seahawks were a team that I kind of watched a little bit of. and and uh, But I was on the total opposite side of Washington State, so it took, you know, it was a good – you know, four hour drive to get over to the other side. And, you know, we never went to any, any games, any NFL games. And, and so mm-hmm. that was my, my first experience was in Canton, Ohio in the hall of fame game when the San Diego chargers were playing the Atlanta Falcons. And I was wearing number nine as a kicker on the San Diego chargers team. It was just incredible. Wow. Yeah. And talk about that, you know, uh, getting that first experience, uh, you know, in the NFL with the chargers and uh, what was that like? And, you know, what kind of feelings were you experiencing, you know, during that time? You know, I, 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 I really enjoy um, the, the kind of the, the path that I took um, and not necessarily because I chose, it just was how it went um, with regards to going into a, a training camp with an NFL football team fresh out of college, which is hard to do. And even <laughs> more so these days, um, because there's a lot more, you know, competitive kickers out there. And, and, you know, so it was, it was, it was challenging to get on. And, you know, I, I got on with the team and just, just being there and learning the experience of what it was like and, and kind of getting an idea of what it takes to be a professional. I thought that was just an amazing uh, opportunity. And I learned a lot from John Carney and, you know, going in there and, and really the moral of my story is the fact that I, I was a camp leg and I knew that I knew I was going to get cut sooner or later. John <laughs> Carney was, you know, four years in or maybe five years in the NFL at that point. He was a legendary kicker. And you know, of course I knew a lot about him because on the West coast, I watched the chargers as well. And, um, you know, I knew his abilities and, and he was a great, great kicker and a, and a great guy. And, and matter of fact, I posted something on social media recently. It was a testimony uh, from John Carney to me and my kicking academy, which was amazing. And I just uh, had never posted um, that before. And I decided I, I, I should. But John is an amazing guy and, and I learned a lot from him. But I think the thing that was really cool about the way I treated that training camp was the fact that I wasn't. Uh, I knew that I was going to get cut and I knew it was just going to be an experience for me and I want to make the best of it. But it, it kind of took some pressure off me in a sense that it, I didn't have to win a job because I knew that I wasn't going to be the guy. I just kind of knew I was like, Hey, I'm just good camp leg. And I accept that. <laughs> um, and that was fine. And, and I think that took some pressure off and it made me kick a little bit better than I may have uh, had. I had more pressure thinking I could be the kicker for the chargers. I, you know, I, and again, it was a, it was a, such a new experience. I just wanted to soak it all in and, and, you know, enjoy the experience and, and, and do the best that I could without a lot of pressure. And I actually did very well. And, and, and honestly, they wanted me to come back the year after. But John had gone to a Pro Bowl that year. And if John were sitting here with us on this interview, he'd tell you exactly what he told me years ago. He said, Mike, he said, you pushed me in that training camp. You were a very good kicker and, and you made me a better kicker that year. And, and I think I, I attribute, you know, a lot of that success that year and going to the Pro Bowl um, to you because of how much you pushed me. Um, 
and, and John's just a very honest guy like that. And, and, uh, and, you know, if he, you know, hopefully he'll listen to this one day and he'll, he'll agree. He'll, yeah, absolutely. I told him that. And, um, I, I really, uh, uh, for saying that, but, um, so that's kind of what I took from, from my first experience in the NFL going in, knowing that, you know, it's just a camp leg and I just, I had a great time and just, I loved every minute of it. I love that. And, and the key part there is knowing your role. I mean, I think, uh, you know, nowadays with social media and things going so fast at times, uh, a lot of times, even, you know, students are getting ready to graduate. I think sometimes we get lost in the fact that we think it might be instant, right? That instant gratification. Um, so how did you keep that even keel mindset to understand and know that, I understand that this is my role and I'm going to perform to my best of my abilities so that in the near future, I'm going to have the role that I want to have um, knowing that this is my role right now. Well, that, that's a great question. And I, I, I kind of alluded to that and more so with my mindset about just doing the best I can each and every day under the, mm -hmm. under the circumstances I'm given, um, you know, as a kicker, you're kind of, singled out um you know there there's there's the there's the snapper there's the holder and then the rest of the team is blocking for you and um you know but but you are the only one kicking the football you're you're not like a, a well yeah clearly a receiver is going to catch a ball that's thrown to him he's the only one that's going to catch it for the most part um but as a kicker you, you're the only guy on the team that doing is doing that job and uh, ultimately, what what I've kind of um, created this mindset, and really, it's not it's not a secret, it's not science. <laughs> it is what it is. My competition was myself. You know, I, I wasn't somebody who who in, in you know with the Jaguars they brought a kicker in every every training camp. There was always a new kicker who were, they were always great kickers. You know, they're coming fresh out of college, fresh legs. You know, and at any given you know year or, or training camp, I could have gotten beat out, but. I, I was not a, a, a kind of guy that would be, you know, malicious or, or, or try to, you know, vindictive or do anything to the other kicker, you know, to, to make him feel bad or try to, you know, be really, you know, a bad competitor. I was, I was, I was applauding them. If they had a great day or a great kick, I would say, man, that was an awesome kick, man. Good job. You know, because I wasn't competing against them in my mind. I'm competing against myself. I want to do the best that I can. If they do better than my best, they deserve the job. There's no other way around it. I mean, it's, you know, clearly, if, and I'm, I'm, I'm realist. I'm not someone's going to make excuses and say, when oh, I'm a better kicker than him, when clearly his stats were better than mine, if that was the case. But, um, you know, every season, every, every training camp, I, I was a little bit better than the guys that came in and I just maintained my, my position. But again, that was my, my mindset every, each and every year was, you know, I got to do the best that I physically, physically can and, and let the cards fall where they may and, and be happy with it. If I can honestly, again, if I can honestly tell myself at the end of the day that I did the best I could under the circumstances I'm given, then I'm okay with whatever outcome happens. So that's, I think there's a lot of people out there that, that um, may not be that way and, and kind of think a little bit differently and in a sense where they're, always competing against somebody and, you know, just look within yourself, you know, compete against yourself and make yourself the best you can be and accept failure. That's another thing that a lot of people cannot do is accept failure, but they would rather make excuses. And those are people that you clearly you wouldn't be able to trust because they're always going to have excuses or whatever. But, you know, the, the mindset of, of somebody who is mentally strong and, and, and can accept failure and, and, you know, know that, you know, they, they've got to be at the, the best of their ability each and every day, then, 
those are the professionals. Those are the guys that last the longest in the in the professional sports uh, arenas, and and um, you know those are the ones that are, are most successful. I love that. The only competition is with yourself. I love it. I mean, for those you know, I've been in sales. I mean, it's so true. Like we can look at the leaderboard all day. We can look at those numbers all day long. But if you could, if you're if you're just looking at the competition. You got to You got to compete for yourself because uh, that's going to set you apart from that's really going to set you apart from the competition. Absolutely. And I, you, know, you talk about leaderboards and the first thing that came to mind is golfers and how do they deal with <laughs> you know, competing against other guys? And I, I'm sure a lot of those guys, too. Yeah, you know, are competing against themselves because they're individuals. They're doing their own job, basically. And but, you know, when you're looking at the leaderboard, you know, if I was a professional golfer, I, I wouldn't, you know, yeah, I, I'm looking at the leaderboard, seeing what I need to take the lead or hold the lead. But in reality, I, again, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to blow the competition out of the water, but I want to, I want to see how good I can get or how good I can specific day for my personal, you know, benefit as far as, you know, making myself feel good as far as, you know, putting the work in and, and, and kind of being, you know, happy with the work I've put in and the, and the success that I've achieved. You know, if I'm going into the late round, last day of a, of a golf tournament and I'm, I'm up by one against my closest competitor, I'm not just going to want to just stay above him by one. I'm going to, I'm going to try to do the best I can be. And at the end of the day, if I beat him by 10 strokes, that's great. If I beat him by one stroke, that's great too. If I lose to the guy and I did the best that I could, under the circumstances that I was given, then he deserved the win. So again, it's I, it's just the mentality of of just trying to you know do the best you can and 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 not worry about the rest. Yeah, for sure. And you spent uh, a short time in San Diego and then coming to Jacksonville, uh, being it was expansion team at the time. What were your feelings? You know, coming into Jacksonville, a new city, a new team. You know, an expansion team. What did you know, the coaching staff, Tom Coughlin, the ownership at the time, you know, come in with that mindset of this franchise and uh, kind of what you were feeling, you know, coming into Jacksonville as well. Well, it's uh, it, it, looking back and, and saying what I'm about to say, I, I, I feel I'm, I'm kind of um, I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm not very nice in what I'm about to say. But when I came to Jacksonville, Jacksonville was there was the dirt parking lot. The stadium was still getting built. <laughs> Just didn't seem like a professional organization visually. Okay, we our, our the coaches' offices were out in trailers. The training room was in a tent. It was just a really bizarre kind of uh, thing. And I had, you know, the year before in training camp, I was with the Chargers, who clearly are established, and they have all the bells and whistles. They have all the accommodations and uh, accommodations and, and everything that you can imagine was there. And, and at first, okay, that's why I feel bad by saying that. At first, it, it didn't feel as, as, as good as, as the Chargers. And I remember talking to a reporter who asked a very similar question that you just asked. And I said exactly what I'm telling you now. Uh, <laughs> and, well, you know, Jacksonville doesn't, you know, it's not, it doesn't seem like San Diego. And it's not really not real professional. And it's, you know, you kind of have to kind of, you know, think about, well, is this a, a professional NFL team? And, and looking back, I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? Why did I say that? Um <laughs> 
course, you know, you're 22, 23 years old. You don't say the, <laughs> the smartest things when you're when you're that age. But um, honestly, it was, uh, you know, and I, I quickly realized, it, you know, it's a brand new franchise and, you know, they're still working on a lot of kinks and, and you know, the the, 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 the kind of the, the, the first really weird moment was going to Stevens Point, Wisconsin for training camp and, and getting on the bus with, you know, after, you know, landing there from a plane, getting on a bus with a bunch of other, you know, uh, NFL guys are going to camp and they put this video on the bus and it was kind of like a welcome to Stevens Point. Here's what to expect kind of video. And it was, you know, kind of like it was great. I thought it was cool, but it was just weird. It was kind of different. We're taking a bus to a college campus to have a training camp in Wisconsin, but I'm playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm what the, what, what in the world am I doing in Wisconsin? Um, but you know, you quickly realize it's just the, it just, you, this is the way it is. And you just have to go with the flow. And again, you have to turn off all that exterior, you know, thinking and, 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 you know, opinion making, I guess I should say. And, and, and focus on what you're there for. And that's, you know, I quickly learned that, you know, after getting settled in, I'm like, okay, well now I got to go to training camp practice and I got to, you know, compete for a position. And, you know, and I knew, you know, I mentioned before about, you know, the chargers wanting me to come back to, to San Diego. I had already gotten some information from Jacksonville saying they wanted to see some tape and see me kick and everything. And, and I, I, around that same time, I got that information from the Chargers saying, hey, we want you to come back. And Bobby Bethard was the general manager at the time with the Chargers. And, I, and, I, and he's a nice guy. And I, and I asked him, I said, hey, Bobby, you know, I, John had just come to the Pro Bowl. I, I, I said, I know if I come to San Diego again, I'm just going to be like I was last year. John's settled in, I'm sure. I don't know if he got a big contract or what he's doing now. But uh, I know he's, he's the guy. Um, it's going to be a repeat of last year. I said, you know, I got a call a week ago from the, the Jack, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars who uh, wanted to see some film. I want to give that an opportunity because, you know, they had Scott Sisson on the roster and um, not to a great kicker. He was a great kicker and a great dude. Um, he's, he's a funny guy. I love the guy. Um, <laughs> and he was my competition in training camp and, and eventually, of course, but uh, I knew that I had a better chance of, of, of getting a job over Scott Sisson than I did with a Pro Bowl guy like John Carney, clearly. So I knew my opportunity was better in Florida. And and, and so I, I, I asked Bobby if he would let me, you know, give me a couple weeks or whatever. And uh, he, he, um, he, you know, agreed and, and kindly agreed and said, yes, absolutely. Mike, we understand that's, that's great. We'll just keep us posted and, and let us know in a couple of weeks what, what, what happens. And, um, we wish the best for you either way. And, um, Jacksonville was kind of dragging their feet a little bit and it took, it took some, you know, hair pulling and, and some, some, you know, constant calling from an agent and my, my guy, Jim Gatano again, he actually, Jim had did, had done more, way more than my agent did. Um, to get me to Jacksonville, honestly, because, you know, there was a period of time where, you know, the, 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 the scouts came back to my agent and said, you know, we really like Mike, his kickers, you know, his kicks are really good. He kicks, you know, real solid, hits a good ball. But Tom Coughlin, he's looking for a bigger kicker. He's looking for a guy that's taller, bigger, heavier. And that was not the answer I was looking for because I'm like, why would it matter my size if I, I – <laughs> like I'm 6'2", if, you know, if that's the case. Well, I didn't say that. Jim, when I went out to kick with him that same day, I was told I was too short. Um, I told Jim that, and, and he was kind of a little furious. Um, uh, back then, we didn't have cell phones, so he went to the nearest payphone after we got done kicking. <laughs> 
called up the Jaguars and he just basically let him have it at that point. So you guys have no idea what you're talking about. Mike kicks like he's 6'2". Why would it matter? As a kicker, he does not have to be big or tall. All he does is kick the ball. So why would it matter? <laughs> basically, we talked them into giving me a workout. Um, I, we, we drove to Central Washington, uh, Tri-Cities area, had a great workout with a scout. They reported back to the Jaguars. It still wasn't enough to convince them. Finally, the day before, of around two weeks, when I had told Bobby that I'd give him a call, Bobby Bethard, I'd give him a call and let him know. Um, it was a Sunday evening. I had told my parents um, and my, my girlfriend at the time, was, which was my future wife, um, no longer married with her, um, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> but my point is with, you know, told her, I was telling my parents, I said, listen, I, I, Jaguars are, are dragging their feet. I, I, I'm not getting any answers from them. Uh, they've already kind of said I'm too short. I'm kind of, I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels here. I'm going to call San Diego tomorrow morning and let them know that I'll come back there. It's, I don't want to waste an opportunity uh, to be in a, another training camp. That morning, that next Monday morning, I get a call from the Jaguars. <laughs> and they say, we want to fly you in for a workout. We have a mini camp coming up um, this coming weekend. And um, Tom Coffin wants to see you kick in person. Um, you know, so, so, you know, pack your bags, you know, we'll get a flight for you. Come on out if you want to. And I said, absolutely. I will definitely be out. So I uh, definitely uh, took that chance and well, not really a chance. It was an opportunity I was waiting for and uh, not there and perform well. And I was the only guy they flew out. So I knew that was, you know, something that was kind of serious. Like, man, they've, they've probably exhausted all their uh, other opportunities. You know, Tom's looked at every big guy you could possibly find. <laughs> they weren't that good at the time or something. And, and so they, they finally you know, succumbed to, um, to bringing the short guy in and, <laughs> and, I came in and, and kicked really well. And they, and they signed me. And so I was there for that mini camp and, and um, you know, met the, met the guys and, um, you know, the rest kind of fell, fell uh, in place. Yeah, I love that. I mean, having, you know, because there's so many things uh, being an athlete, particularly, you know, professional athlete, you know, getting scouted by so many scouts and having, you know, tape looked at and every play analyzed and not just plays, but, you know, high, you know, too short or this person's not liking enough, like, and throughout that whole process, uh, you continue to have a positive attitude. So uh, that's tremendous. I love to see that. Um, so talk about, you know, some of your favorite moments uh, being in Jacksonville and what did you enjoy most uh, during your time there with the Jags? Oh man, where do I start? Um, <laughs> <coughs> I, you know, I've, I've, um, I experienced a lot with the new franchise and I, and I got to tell you the the, the fan support around here and, you know, coming into Jacksonville, I didn't know um, all the, you know, the hoops and red tape and all the, the hurdles that the city had to convince the NFL that Jacksonville was, was a worthy, you know, city for an NFL franchise. They, they, they spent a couple years dealing with this and they put a lot of time and effort and, a lot of, of, of things had to happen for the Jaguars to get this opportunity to, um, to have a franchise here in Jacksonville. And, you know, the, 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 after all of that was said and done and when the, when it was announced, you know, I'm sure that, you know, clearly I wasn't around in Jacksonville when it was announced, but I saw videos, I saw people just jumping for joy and just the fans around here were just going nuts. And even coming in in 1995, the city wasn't really that big. And, you know, there was a lot of, um, 
of you know buildings that needed to be replaced and you know it needed an uplift and you know clearly the stadium as i mentioned before the parking lot was dirt and you know, there's a, an old paint factory that the parking lot is on now and there's dips in the road and all kinds of weird stuff was going on but um you know just kind of looking back now at, at the at the fans and and how appreciative they were when it came to you know having a, an nfl franchise I think we sold out the Jaguar franchise on, on uh, home games. We sold that stadium out for like six years in a row, I think, um, you know, and, and, and then we kind of started uh, to you know lose some games and lost some, some good players. We got into a salary cap issue. And so a lot of the players were, were leaving and, and going to other teams. And so the fan support kind of dropped a little bit and we've had some ups and downs since then. Of course, you kind of, you probably know a little bit about what the Jaguars have been through in the last <laughs> you know, 20 years, it's been really up and down. Um, but with regards to my experience and, and what I witnessed, um, I witnessed a, a city full of, of just nonstop support, joy, you know, uh, just, you know, it, it was an amazing experience being here. Tom Coughlin actually had an addendum to every Jaguar contract that he signed with every, every player. We had to have at least two paid or not, um, two public appearances every year. And two probably wasn't enough, but that's more than any other team, I, as far as I know, does. Um, he made it mandatory for us to do two appearances in the community get our faces out there, get known, you know, let everybody in the city kind of know about us and, and, and learn about the city, learn about the fans, learn about the people, the culture, everything about Jacksonville uh, because of all the, uh, the support that they've given us. And, and I, and I've, I've just, as a fan standpoint, as a player playing for the city and the fans, it was an amazing experience. Um, crazy fun fans. We had an awesome stadium. We still do. Um, you know, awesome experiences, awesome games in that stadium. We had some amazing Super Bowl runs, I would say, because, you know, we came one when I was here in Jacksonville, we came one game away from the Super Bowl twice. <laughs> um, we had awesome, you know, 99 season was amazing. The 96 season was when we, you know, our first, uh, you know, playoff as a franchise, you know, we go to Buffalo and that was a memory that I will always cherish and remember. Uh, was kicking a field goal. I think there's about a minute and 20 something left in the fourth quarter and in blistering, snowy, windy, blizzardy. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm kicking this ball from 45 yards out. And, and you know, this is a potential game winner because the game was tied at that point And it eventually was a game link um, kick if you want to look at it that way. But um, I kicked that ball so solid and, and the wind had changed a little bit. And Brian said he put a different lean on the ball, wasn't really thinking. And, you know, whatever the case may be, that ball went up and it took a sharp right because the wind was just really howling and it hit the inside of the top, the top inside of the right upright and bounced through. And, you know, the week before <laughs> last game of a regular season, I doinked another one. Um, against the Falcons, I believe uh, we had to win it to, to get in the playoffs, and, and that wasn't a game winner. It was one one kick during the middle of the game that I hit the left upright on, and it bounced through. So call it luck. What do you want to call it? Whatever. Um, a little lucky there, and then we go to Buffalo, and I do the same thing on the um, the actual game winning kick at that point. But um, we knock off the Bills, and you know now we're like, hey, who are these Jaguars? They just beat the Bills. You know the Bills were, had a Super Bowl run for how many years in a row there at that one point, and <laughs> um, right, you know, so they were very good and very, very, very well known. 
So this this unknown franchise of the Jacksonville Jaguars comes in and beats beats the Buffalo Bills. Then we go to Denver. We're not expected to even come close to beating Denver. They were 14 and two that year. And we had an amazing game and we knocked off the Denver Broncos in the, in the, the best memory that, you know, back to your question originally, I do babble a lot. Sorry. Um, the, the best memory that I do have um, back in those days coming, it was coming back from Denver after we beat the Denver Broncos to, to you know, go to the AFC championship game. We flew back and the captain gets on the plane and, and uh, it's like two o'clock in the morning. Might've been later than that. Maybe two, two and uh, captain gets on and says, hey, you know, just to let you know, guys, we've been cleared to do a little bit of a flyover. Um, if you guys on the left-hand side of the plane look out your window, you'll see something you recognize. And uh, we'll still circle around and we'll, we'll be landing shortly. So um, take a look. And he, he you know, banks a sharp left and everyone looks out the window. And we're flying right over the stadium and it's all lit up. And you can see like 30,000 fans. You can literally see them just screaming you know i clearly can't hear them but um, <laughs> you can see them just fist pumping and just going crazy because they knew um everything was set up in the stadium because we were we were going back there to talk and, and kind of you know welcome you know welcome the fans and, and just kind of celebrate you know and so they knew it was us uh, it was announced to them that, that it was us flying over and so and then even when we landed at the airport there was thousands of people at the airport lining up the streets with signs and you know, again, this is two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, and there's thousands of people at the streets, you know, lined up at the streets of the airport. And we take these buses all the way back to the stadium and everyone gets off and we all go in the stadium. And again, there's thirty to forty thousand people in the stadium or whatever the number was. It was a lot of people. And we, you know, a couple of players were asked to speak and you know, Dave Wydell gave his 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 famous Jacksonville, do you believe in miracles speech? And <laughs> it was just an awesome experience. And nothing, you know, something I will never ever in my life ever forget. It was it was just amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh you talk about the electricity in the stadium. Uh talk about, you know, the adrenaline rush, you know, getting a chance to be a kicker and having, you know, do you enjoy, you know, the science of kicking and talk about <clears throat> when, you know, you're getting up there, getting ready to kick the ball. Do you like, you know, block everything out or like during a home game, did you enjoy like the crowd cheering you on and having them like, did you block everything out or did you like get that adrenaline rush um, <clears throat> when the fans would cheer? <laughs> <clears throat> Well, you, you know, it's um, my, my mindset on kicking was a little bit different than most. I think um, I was very technical to answer your first question. You mentioned something about technical. Yes, I was extremely technical. And when it came down to the, the technical aspect of kicking, that ultimately became my mental focus and my mental um, uh, power, if you will. It was it was my strength. That was my mental capacity. That's what I focused on that made me, um, you know, good as far as not, you know, getting too caught up into the exterior stuff. When I say, I, you know, I, yeah, I did. I, blo I had no idea there was, you know, 20 cameras in the stadium. I had no idea there was 80,000 fans. Yes, I see them. I hear them. They're there, but I don't want to focus on them. I've got a job to do in, in 1.3 seconds, right? So when the ball snap 1.3 seconds later, I've kicked it. Okay, so um, my, my focus was very, very – very minute. It was, it was to the point. 
Um, my focus was on my technique. And, and when I said differently, um, my mentality was a little differently. What I meant by that was my focus was so much more on my technique and my form and the, the things that work to kick the ball more so than actually making the kick itself. Um, a lot of people say, well, man, how did you deal with it mentally? Wasn't it really stressful? I'm like, yeah, it was very stressful. I'm not going to lie. And I was a nervous wreck pretty much every game. Although <laughs> I was pretty good at mentally focusing on my technique and what's most important. Most kickers out there have it backwards. They think the most important thing is to make the kick. And when you think that way, you now rely on your athletic ability to steer the ball through the uprights. I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. My mindset was focus on my technique and work on the things that I've worked on a million times in practice, making a million kicks, and then I'll make this one too. So it's kind of a backwards way of thinking, but that by focusing on my technique and everything like that, that was it, was, it took a lot of pressure off of me in a sense that I dumbed it down. I kind of made it simple. I'm like, I took a very technical technique and, and form and I simplified the process. And when I got on the field and I lined up to kick the field goal, I was at a point where I'm like, now all I have to do is put my foot on the ball and I've made the kick. How hard is it going to be for me to literally put my foot on the football? Now, clearly in my back of my mind, I'm thinking about a couple you know, basic things that I need to focus on <laughs> do technically. And if I can just you know, focus on those things and put my foot on the ball, I know I've already made the kick. Um, where you'll see other kickers will talk about, well, I hire a, you know, sports psychologist to teach me how to deal with pressure on game day. And I never, never once had a sports psychologist. I never once had anybody try to help me with how to deal with game day. Not one time did I ever need anything like that or did I request or ask for anything like that. I knew that just if I focused on my technique and my form and I trusted it, that's the key word there is trusting your technique because that's a big deal because if you can't trust what you're doing um and and i and i had that my first year in the nfl maybe a little bit into my second year i was kind of second guessing myself in a way that i felt i had to do something different on game day and not until my one of my best buddies teammate brian barker who was the holder for me and the punter for the jaguars during my, my whole time there except my last year he went off to play with the uh, Redskins um, for my last year in Jacksonville, but Brian had told me um, he was, he was, you know, a veteran at the time when I came in and he helped me so much. He helped me tremendously. He told me one day out of the blue, he said, you know what, Mike, um, you know, I think Larry Pasquale, our special teams coach had said something about me at a, uh, during a game that, that I was second guessing myself. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, what do you mean I'm second guessing myself? I'm trying to make the kick. And at the time I wasn't thinking what he really meant. And Brian kind of summarized it for me. He said, you know, I, I think, you know, what you need to focus on is, is here's a fact. The field is still a hundred yards long. You know, the goalposts are still 18 feet, six inches wide. Uh, the field is 54 yards wide. Um, you know, the, the hashes are, you know, 18 feet, six inches, you know, basically the same as the uprights. There's nothing. My point is there's nothing different on game day other than now there's fans and you might be playing in a different field where there's a stadium where there's bleachers and stuff. But the field itself is not different. So why would you do anything different? And I, oh man, that was kind of a game changer for me. I'm like, yeah, you know what? That is so true. Why would I do anything different on game day than I was doing, do, doing during the week of practice? There's nothing different. My job is exactly the same. It's just the only difference is it means more now. It actually is for real now. Um, 
And that's where you're going to put pressure on yourself. If you if you think, oh, it's for real, I got to make the kick now. Now you put pressure on yourself and now you're forcing yourself to steer the ball through the upright because that becomes the most important thing. Now, you, you have to understand that it's not the most important thing. The thing that causes the ball to go through the uprights is the most important thing. You, you got to think about the order of, of priority there. So I learned and I was taught to, to focus on the priority at the hand and, and, and don't do anything different on game day. And that was one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever gotten from anybody in my life. Um, that was a game changer. I love that because if you don't trust yourself and your abilities, who's going to do it for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, so talk about what you're doing now uh, with your kicking academy and how important is it to give back to the community? Um, obviously, you know, being a professional athlete, every uh, athlete does it differently. But how important is it to give back uh, for you and what you're doing now with the kicking academy? Well, you know, what I'm doing now with the Kicking Academy is exactly what I've been talking about this whole time is I'm trying to relay this same sort of information to every athlete that we have that comes through. You know, it's, uh, we're, we're, uh, we get technical with the, with the technique. We want to teach kids to, to kick the best way possible. And I'm very prideful in saying that because I lived it. Um, like I said before, and this is what I tell all my kids, I say, listen, I played in the, and again, I start off by saying I played in the NFL for nine years. I was a pro bowler. I led the NFL in scoring. Uh, one year, um, I kick a 59-yard field goal in a game in a dome as, as in the NFL. Um, I've done a lot of really cool things in the NFL, and I say that I'm not bragging about that. I say that to you know not to impress you, but to impress upon you that somebody standing right in front of you at five foot eight, 180 pounds, and a very average athlete was able to do what I just told you I did. That's my point I want to, to nail into every one of our clients and every one of our kids that comes to learn is the fact that I'm not anybody special. What makes me special is that I really honed in on a technique that somebody else taught me and I, and I, and I ran with it. I, I trusted it and I did it. And, and that's the thing that most kids don't understand is that they, if they have that mindset of trying to, you know, like I said, trying to steer the ball and do all that stuff and, and make the kick, and that's the most important thing, they won't focus on good technique and stuff that really matters. And, and that will only take them to a certain level of success. And that's really another point I want to make is that I, I believe wholeheartedly because I lived it, that the stuff that we teach is, is the only the only way to kick a football that will get any individual to the best of their abilities. So whatever level of kicking they are right now, if they're doing some bad stuff, if they start to do the stuff we're teaching, they will get to a higher level of success. They will get to the highest level that they are physically capable of being. Now, not everybody's going to be capable of playing in the NFL, even with this technique. There still is, you know, I can't say, oh, you, if you get the technique down, you can play in the NFL. <laughs> Not something I'll say, clearly. But my point is that, you know, you will get to the best of whatever abilities that you can possibly have, whatever level of success that you can possibly have with kicking, you will get to doing this, this form of technique. So that's the message I like to say to all the kids that we're teaching. And, and the problem is, though, and I'll be honest with you, it's, it's not easy. And it wasn't easy for me, but I wanted it. I wanted it a lot. And if, if we, you know, the, our best clients, the kids that are most successful with us are the ones that want it the most. They're the ones that put the time and effort into it. 
and, and trust it and, and learn it and, and, and do the things we're saying. The ones that don't last with us too long are the ones that want it now. They don't want to work for it. They just want to, you know, I want to make 60 yard field goals right now. Like, well, you're not going to right now. You have, there's a process. <laughs> I give the example, like if you go in the weight room, you want to be a strongman competitor and, and, a, and, a, and, and, and have Olympic gold for the heaviest bench press ever in the world. Are you going to start right now? Are you going to go in the weight room and expect to put that weight on the bench and just do it right now? No, you, you, you've got to take some time and to develop that. It's muscle strength and everything like that. Clearly, it's a little different from kicking, but um, that's the point I'm trying to make with all the kids. Now, as far as giving back to community and being involved in, in things, I, I, I not only my kicking academy I do, and I'm, I'm always there for kids. And, and, and you know, I've, I used to go to a lot of the high school games. I don't do that much anymore. Um, but I am involved in the community. I'm part of our Jaguar Ambassador Group, which is a, a group of, of former Jaguars that have retired that still live here in Jacksonville. We do appearances. The team asks for, for us sometimes to go out to do some appearances um, if they need us, and we do. Um, I'm also part of the NFL alumni, the Jacksonville chapter here. I was, was actually part of the board, but I, I, I'm not physically a part of the board anymore, but I do help out with a lot of the events that they asked me to and different things that I'm asked to do. I'm, I'm, I told my girlfriend the other day, I said, I, I'm, I'm the yes man. You know, if you ever see me, Harry, <laughs> that's me. If you ask me to do something, I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, well, why not? You know? So, um, I love doing those kind of things and I love getting back in the community. And, and, and some of the things that that's great is when you get out there and you're in, you're in front of people and maybe you're doing some public speaking or maybe you're doing an appearance, whatever, the people that you interact with that were around back in the day when we were really good and all those memories that I that gave you and shared with you, they want to know more. They, they want to remind me that they were there and they want to say, Hey, tell me about that one game. What was it like? And they love those stories. And so, and, and like as passionate as I am right now talking to you, I am exactly that way with them as well. I'm like, man, it was so much fun. You wouldn't believe it. Tom Coughlin did this, or, or we had a player that did this, but, but overall we, you know, we had a great game and, you know, we had a mistake here, but we made up for it by this Mark Brunel threw this amazing pass. You probably saw it, you know, all that kind of stuff. But again, it's, it's, it's great to reminisce about fun stuff in, in, in the past and when the Jaguars were really good. Now, hopefully that'll change with the, the new draft picks this year. We're telling you this, the city's excited. We're really pumped up. It's going to be a big, big deal this year. Hopefully, you know, I say that every year because we have good drafts and you know, we have good athletes come in. You know, we're very optimistic. I'm op optimistic by nature, but uh, I think this year is going to be a little different. I think it's going to be kind of a, a, a big change. You're going to see a lot of differences um, around Jacksonville and around the Jaguars. Yeah, it was great to see. Uh, being myself, being born in Jacksonville, I was around, you know, for those early years. Uh, you know, it's great to see the success. Um, what was it like playing, you know, uh, around Mark Brunell and Fred Taylor and uh, Keenan McCardell and all those guys and being a part of that group uh, early on and, and some of the, your teammates? Uh, it, you know, you probably can, can, can figure out um, what I'm about to say. It was just um, – um, these guys are, are humble and, and, and I give full credit to Tom Coughlin with, with the guys that he got, um, on that, on those teams back in the, in the nineties. And, you know, um, I, I, I think that Tom, one of his best, um, gifts, uh, as a coach, one of his best, um, the, the most exciting things that he's, he's done. He, he brings in guys that may not be the best athlete, but he can, he can literally look right through your soul and he can tell what kind of man you are. And 
he brought in men that were very capable. They were humble team players that were accountable, that would hold people accountable. Um, they would, they would, they would never let the other guys down. Um, he was, he was one that, that, that found those kind of athletic guys. Um, there have been guys that the Jaguars have drafted and in after Tom and, you know, athletes that were great athletes that, but they weren't great players. You can have the most athletic guys on the field. If they're not really feeling it on game day and they just don't want to play, you know, sometimes they don't, but my point in saying that the, the guys that were around me back in the day and the, and the reason I think honestly the reason we were so good is our, our team leadership. Yeah, Tom was our, our boss. He was our head coach. But when it came down to the 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 dirt and the nitty-gritty and, and what it really took as a team to win, we were team players. We were guys that were – we would have some some um, team uh, – some player-only team meetings after our, our um, Tom Coughlin team meeting. Um, guys like that would say, Tom, you know, let's have a team meeting. Um, you and the other coaches, you're going to take a hike and, and we're going to the meeting room. We're going to have a little, a little come to Jesus talk, you know? And if, if there were, if there were guys going out partying or if there were things that, you know, we heard about that weren't, you know, Hey man, we, we can't do this. We would talk about it as team players, you know, whether the team knew about it, whether the, uh, the coaching staff knew about it, if the organization knew about it, whatever, it didn't matter if they knew about it or not. They probably did. But we wanted to hold each other accountable, and and that was the, the kind of group of guys that we had uh, during that days, uh, during those days, and 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 the, the the humbleness is really where I'm going with with a lot of the guys, mm -hmm. the the Fred Taylors, the uh, Keenan McCarl, Jimmy Smith, Wham, Jimmy Smith, what a guy, <laughs> an amazing man. Um, Fred Taylor is an amazing man, you know. Um, and bring up names like uh, you know Kevin Hardy, an amazing man, you know. Uh, Tony Brackens, amazing man. All these guys were amazing people. And, and I think that really it, it showed on the field because you, you, you wear your heart on your sleeve when you're on the field. It's, it's you know, you're, you're doing this for your teammates and you're trying to win games for the team and the city and the coaches and your teammates. And, and, and these guys, you could, you could, you could tell that they were, they were in it to win it and um, they, they would do whatever it took to win. And, and um, you know, definitely let uh, everyone know that they, you know, that they had each other's backs. And, and that was, that was a big deal. No matter how athletic they were and, and the guys we had back in the day, we, may not have been the most athletic group of, of athletes on the field, but I'm telling you, we all had heart and, and Tom did a, an amazing job of, of, of putting together a group of guys each and every year for the most part, as much as he could uh, through those, those glory days. Yeah, that's huge. I love it. I love it. And just out of curiosity, um, coming from, you know, San Diego and to Florida, how often do you enjoy the beach? How often do you get a chance to, you know, go to the, the Florida beaches? Or do you, now that you've been down there a while, is it something that you don't do that often, but you just get, still get a chance to enjoy uh, the beaches down in uh, Jacksonville? Absolutely. I live about <laughs> 10 blocks from the ocean. And, and believe me, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm on my beach cruiser quite a bit. I, I cruise around <laughs> beach cruiser it's uh you know it keeps me young um i love to get out in the sun and just uh uh get get out in there in the in the sun and, and and kind of you know i don't always go to the beach itself but i'm always around the beaches 
Um, you know, and it's just, it's, it's, it's a different kind of lifestyle. It's laid back, it's chill. It's kind of like you, you kind of think of like a, a Caribbean Island or something. It's, it's more of a, you know, laid back and just kind of do, you know, go with the flow kind of mentality. And that's the way I am. I've always been that way. I'm, I've never, I don't, I don't like to take things too serious. Um, yes, I, I understand that there's times when I have to, um, but I, I don't want to, I want to be free loving and free living. And I, I just want to just kind of, you know, go with the flow and have fun with life and, and, um, and be happy. And, and I think, uh, uh, you, 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 if you get in a situation where you're putting pressure on yourself or maybe you're, you know, if you're in an area of the, where you're living, um, you know, I grew up in Spokane, not to say it's a bad place, but you know, it gets cold and, <laughs> and, and I don't like cold weather anymore being here. Florida for the for the seven years I was playing here, and then I went to Buffalo of all places and froze my butt off, and then went to the Giants after that and froze my butt off again. Um, then I decided to retire and come back to, to Florida. So um, I, I love the the weather, I love the community, I love the beaches, I love everything about Jacksonville, and and uh, like I said, I'm I'm three thousand miles away from my hometown, and and I, I do go back and, and visit family uh, at least once a year. Um, so I do make that trip and want to get connected with the community up there in Spokane and and visit family and friends. So um, I do love Florida and do love Jacksonville and, and uh, I plan on staying here for a long time. That's awesome. And obviously for those fans who were around when the team came uh, to be, the song was welcome to the jungle. It was like anytime mm-hmm. that play in the stadium, the stadium would rock. Uh, so what was that like? And if you coming out of the tunnel, what would your song be, you know, coming out? Uh, of the tunnel. What would Mike Hollis be playing uh, playing as you walk out of the tunnel? <laughs> well, well, you, you're gonna laugh, and your viewers and your 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 listeners are gonna laugh because I'm gonna be like I'm gonna be playing some Enya. I'm gonna be like playing some really chill, laid back, get me like in a in a in a Zen moment sort of music <laughs> because. That's who I would. I want to be that guy on game day. I want to be chill. I'm not. I'm not excited. I'm not like you know. Yeah, of course I'm excited, but I don't <laughs> want to be all crazy, upbeat, and just going nuts. I want to be chill and laid back and focused. Um, so that any any song by Enya or any sort of like maybe Fleetwood Mac or something that's really like really holy and just kind of cool to listen to, and it it brings you back and it kind of just. You can reminisce with certain songs and just kind of remember, you know, growing up as a kid, having fun and and being relaxed and chilling. That's that's my vibe right there. I'm I'm I'm. But I do love I do love the Guns N' Roses. I do love that kind of stuff. AJR, <laughs> Weezer, and you know, like new alternative rock. Any kind of uh, you know, uh, Greta Van Fleet. That kind of that kind of music. But um, you know, no doubt, you know, uh, Steph, uh, uh, Gwen Stefani, and you know, just. Music like that, I, I do enjoy. So, get um, in Metallica. I'll get into the hard stuff. I love that. If if it's if it's something that I'm not playing a game, or if it's just for 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 fun, yeah, absolutely. Throw me some Metallica. I love that. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, before I let you go, I gotta ask, what was your go-to meal before a game or after a game? Yeah, uh, you know, I would I would always eat crab legs um, the night before I went um, to the hotel if it was a home. Now, if we're at a hotel away, I would you know the the team provides food, and I didn't always go out when I got to a certain city. I, <laughs> I would eat there at the hotel mostly. Um, you know, just whatever they had, just anything. You know, I'm 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 not a picky eater. I'll eat anything. <laughs> 
um, just a lot of, you know, pastas and, you know, carbohydrates and things like that. And, you know, your chickens and, you know, um, you know, just proteins, whatever, just whatever it took. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Rice Krispie treats. I love those. I love, I, I'm a sweet nice. tooth. You know, peanut butter cup, you know, and, but definitely want to, you know, just try to try, try really hard to eat good, but I don't always. And, you know, the older I get, the more I have to watch what I eat. But I'm, I'm, I'm good with whatever. Uh, I love, if, if a fan of Reese's for sure, like, I don't understand for those who don't uh, enjoy Reese's, like, Reese's are amazing, like, you know? <laughs> gotta, 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 gotta get on board. Um, well, Mike, it's been a pleasure having you on the pod. I really appreciate it. If, you know, people want to find more information about your kicking academy, what you're doing in the community, uh, what's the best way to do that? You know, social media is always an easy way. Um, proformkicking.com is a, a website. All my all my social media handles, pretty much for the most part, um, are are proform kicking. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, you know, I tell people, I say if I if they can't remember that, I say Google my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, pretty easy um, to remember. But Mike, it's been a pleasure. Uh, yeah, and hopefully, how's the weather there in Jacksonville? It's been beautiful. Last couple of days have been really hot. Um, I love the heat, so I'm I'm okay with it. You know, we had <laughs> rain last week, but um, it's been nice. I've uh, been outside the last couple of days. It's been really nice. Yeah, I'll be heading there, down there at the end of the month. Uh, so I'm looking forward to some uh, summer weather uh, well, before I head down uh, for some uh, some beach beach vacation. <laughs> well, there you go. Come on. Uh, down. Nice. All right, Mike. Well, it's been a pleasure and you have a good evening. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it.